You're listening to Don't Mind the Gap, the future of real estate investing. My name is Emra Al-Kurwi and I will be your host in this podcast series where we will meet world-class real estate professionals and get insights into the tech side of real estate. We will learn how to combine traditional knowledge with new ways to develop real estate and invest in it. In this episode, I'm meeting Daniel Kraft, Head of Innovations at Stronghold Invest. He's also the co-founder of Nordic PropTech Initiative. Stronghold has one of the most impressive portfolios with companies such as Newsec, Dacha, and Nyam. They're skilled at combining traditional real estate investments, consulting, and prop tech. In this episode, we will discuss the investor perspective when it comes to real estate ventures, advice to entrepreneurs on how to get funded and grow, why prop tech is relevant to everyone in real estate and how to consider it as a newbie, and the latest useful innovations in the industry. Enjoy. Danny Kraft, welcome to the show. Thank you. Can you please tell us about yourself and the companies you represent? Yeah, so my name is Daniel Kraft. I represent uh, Stronghold Invest, a Swedish privately held investment company in Northern Europe. And my role is to head up our digital investments and our transformation activities. Mm. How did you become interested in real estate innovations and tech? So I've always worked in strategy and business development. And since joining Stronghold back in 2013, we were always looking at different sort of business development initiatives and new businesses to start. And that was just when we noticed that the innovation, digitization, and technology is starting to gain traction within real estate. So I sort of seized the opportunity and started to deep dive into that mm. and have been doing that ever since. Can you please tell us more about Stronghold? Yeah, sure. So Stronghold is founded back in 1994 by my boss, Urban Erenström. It started off with 6 million sec in capital, and now we're about 2,200 people, turning over about 2.5 billion sec yearly. And you can say that our group was founded out of a company called NewSec, which is a full-service property house, primarily in commercial real estate, and over the years, we've grown the group and started more companies, one of them being Nyam, a private equity company in real estate, and also a company called Dacha, which both of them actually being spin-offs from NewSec, Nyam being NewSec Incentive Asset Management, and Dacha was actually started as a consulting project, but then we spun it up into a software company. Mm-hmm. So we've always had one foot in digitization and technology, and the classic real estate business. Yes. And recently you co-founded Nordic PropTech Initiative. Yeah. Can you please tell us about that? Sure. So uh, Nordic PropTech Initiative is, and that was founded with the aim to sort of how can we support innovation in the Nordic countries, thereby supporting both our companies, our clients, and also the region in terms of attracting entrepreneurs, to our industry, as well as more capital and investors, as well as external companies from abroad coming into the Nordics. How would you define PropTech? (laughs) So PropTech is a wide and sort of not clearly defined segment of technology or vertical. From our perspective, it's really about the built environment and all technology aimed at improving, making more efficient, and how we use our assets, how the people in the assets actually interact with them. In essence, how we interact with the built environment and technology supporting that. Mm. And why should it matter to real estate professionals today? 
I mean, from my perspective, saying that it doesn't matter, it's like saying that we don't care about the future. So of course it matters. It's not only about technology, but it, it really matters. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say are the latest useful innovations within PropTech as of now? I would say, you know, most of the innovations we're seeing now started quite some time ago. Both we see from within machine learning and how we process data. And, you, you know, we have the IoT, Internet of Things segment, really gaining traction. Real estate has been speaking about smart buildings for the last 15 years. But now as technology becomes more mature, hardware becomes more affordable technology and connectivity becomes much more advanced, things really start to happen. So I think now we're seeing the result of quite a long time of, of development. Mm. And um, what's the market demanding right now in terms of innovation and business solutions? I think two, three years ago, we saw a lot of VR, virtual reality for viewings, for property development projects. Then we saw a boom in, in listing, listing services within a leasing brokerage. And then we saw within investment, we're seeing a few of them up right now. I think we're starting to see quite a clear demand within the smart building segment. So how could we actually infuse technology in how, and start measuring on how people are actually utilizing real estate? Mm -hmm. That I think we're seeing more and more now. Okay. And what advice do you have for entrepreneurs within this field? I would say, you know, become pals with the incumbents. I think there's a lot of interesting things to learn because one thing that we've learned over the years is that there are so many talented entrepreneurs in tech coming into real estate because they see that as an industry sort of ripe for disruption, but not really having understood the dynamics of commercial real estate. So, I mean, becoming pals with the incumbents is really to understand the details and dynamics of commercial real estate to get access. With that said, I don't think we should listen to us or them too much. Because that is, I think, instead of making tools and software for how processes look like now, I don't think that may, this is necessarily the right way to go. Instead of aiming for how the process should look like and how the business model should work. How do you find potential unicorns? I mean, I've been traveling since 2014, meeting as many entrepreneurs as I can, just because it's a fantastic base of reference on what is good and what is bad, how what they see as challenges within real estate that, that can be done so much better. So for me, it's been in, of course, doing a lot of research, traveling, going to all of the big events, and then getting to know the most important people in, in the business. Mm. Do you have any methods or processes that you do and use? Sure, but I think, you know, finding companies is perhaps not rocket science. It's really about doing the work. I mean, information is out there. It's just being able to, or having the time to look at it, going out and meeting the companies, meeting the people, and then you build up a base of reference and then you get introduced to the really great entrepreneurs over mm -hmm. time. Growing by acquiring real estate is a safe strategy, for example, for you as a group. And investing in prop tech could lead to increased costs without guaranteed revenues, at least in the short run. What's your strategy? How do you grow as a company? I think from our perspective, it's really to, we have two perspectives from a, an owner perspective. So, of course, we want to continue to grow and expand our classic businesses. I mean, we've grown our 
property management business by two times over the last three years. And that is something that will continue. So that is a, a more low risk part of the group. With that said, we are looking for a more high risk initiative. And I mean, technology is inherently a high risk segment. So we know that not all of our initiatives and investments will succeed. Hopefully we'll learn something along the way. So we get benefits both from a strategic perspective, being able to spot things early on for our classic businesses, as well as having a clear upside from the investments if they turn a unicorn or at least a 10x growth. So becoming a really nice investment. But statistics show that, you know, less than one in 10 succeed. So it's mm. a numbers game also. Yeah. Without mentioning any names, can you tell us about a substantial investment you've done that didn't go well? I think, you know, one example that is easy to forget is actually Dacia. That started back in 98 as a new sec initiative. And then sort of, hey, that might be good as a separate company. And being the dot-com, uh, you know, boom years, we raised a lot of capital for that company. I think it was $8 million or something. Spent them nearly as quick. And that wasn't a great investment. And then the dot-com bust came in 2000, 2001. And then the entire company crashed and we bought it back. But then we've invested money and time since, you know, almost 20 years. And now it's a very nice and profitable company. But for quite some time, it really wasn't. Mm. So uh, it was a true failure to start off with, mm. but now it's become a really nice deal. Mm. What risks have you uh, learned to identify during your journey? I think, you know, as most VC or venture capitalists say they, you know, you can have a great business plan, but it's really about the team and the entrepreneurs. So you bet in essence, early stage investment, at least from our perspective, is that we bet on people and we think that they may have a good plan, but the only thing you know that it will definitely change both the business model as well as the plan. So having the right people on board, being able to sustain over time and attract the right people is really the, the most important thing. So is this a team of founders who will be able to do that successfully over time? Mm. Can you give us a rough percentage estimation of the division between team versus business idea or business plan? I would say, you know, 60, 70% team. Mm. No, but I mean, so if we don't have the team, it's no use. The idea can be fantastic, but if it's the wrong team, you know, at least in the early stage, it doesn't really matter. So that has been a big learning. Hmm. Whereas if the team is good, then you might be able to give them advice and coach or give them access to knowledge or contacts, hmm. putting them on the right track. Do you have an example within the group that you've a team that have been able to pivot from an initial idea? No, I think, you know, being one of the first investors into the crowdfunding platform, Testin, is one example. I think they came with us uh, with an idea. Crowdfunding was still a very early stage thing. And we were interested given that we work with financing of commercial real estate projects, but wasn't really sure at all. But we really liked the team. Solid founders, one of them being a serial entrepreneur. The composition of the three founders, Eric, Jonas and Nils was really I think what made the difference. They were a pain to negotiate with, but that's also a good thing because <laughs> then you know that they will you know, do a good job going forward. And I think that's really you know, paid off from that perspective. 
You're listening to Don't Mind the Gap, the future of real estate investing. If you have any tips on interesting guests or other inquiries, please send me an email to emro at don'tmindthegap.com or message me on LinkedIn. Thank you. Do you have any advice for traditional, so to say, real estate professionals who are not tech savvy? <laughs> Hire people that are. <laughs> and I mean, it is a high risk thing, but I would say that it's more risky of not doing anything. So I would say hire people with knowledge and give them resource and time to find out what the best way or best action to take is and dare to try and test new things. You know, you won't find a two-year ROI of everything. So with that said, what areas are interesting to learn and start engaging with that community or hire people who have access to that. Mm. That would be my big recommendation. What companies, in your opinion, are cutting edge when it comes to real estate investing? Real estate investing? Yes. I mean, of course, you have so many fantastic investors who's made a hell of a lot of money over the last 10 years, who's been boom years. But it won't be boom years forever. So I would say the investors that I are most impressed in are they who dare to look a bit further ahead. So what will impact real estate values going forward? How will technology impact real estate values? How will the flexible office space trend impact real estate value? And what position should they take? Should they deliver a service, which is office, or should they only own assets and focus on returns? We're seeing a few investors now who really strive to get an inside track on new data sets. Because they think that having access to unique data will uncover unique investment opportunities. So we're seeing quite a few instances of that. And they're investing quite heavily in acquiring those data sets and capacity to make sense of that data. Mm. And that hasn't been, a, at least from my perspective, a, a core focus area within real estate investing. Mm. Which company is that? You know, one we see that is doing a lot of interesting things is Blackstone globally. They have a quite ambitious strategy in how they use technology for both investment, but also for management purposes. A company called DWR, that's a, a private equity player. They raised or partnered with a, a prop tech startup who has a, an AI powered data platform. So instead of selling that data platform to the markets, so they partnered with the VC fund and raised a lot of capital just to invest off that unique information coming from that platform. Mm, interesting. So that is, I think, a very interesting scope mm. where you could sell this as a SaaS product and they might over time, but you know, so, okay, so no, we won't give that to the market. We'll raise a fund instead. Mm. Okay. What's the next uh, big thing in PropTech? I think the next big thing is that we'll start seeing some you know, material change. There are so many things in real estate or in technology and, and the future that will impact real estate. You know, we have the smart city trend. As that progresses, that will have a huge impact on what could be done by real estate. You have, of course, you know, WeWork has been around for quite some time now. They're huge and they're popping up quite a lot of players who are really, you know, big players in real estate, but they don't own any assets. And that is, I think, in something that will start to shake up. Should we only own the assets? Should we deliver a service? Do we you know, sell square meters or square feet? Or do we deliver a service? Mm. 
I think that is very interesting. Um, you have hotels and hospitality moving into office space because they are great at delivering services. And the rental contracts for office starts to look the same as you have for hotels and hospitality. That is, I think, is an interesting shift also. Uh, I could go on for quite some time about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure about that. Is there a field or a group of companies that will disappear in the near future? I wouldn't say disappear in the near future. I think, of course, the value chain will change. I think there will be new players coming in and stealing you know, parts of the value chain, taking away some of the business from perhaps brokers, perhaps some from the financing suppliers and and you know i don't see anyone sort of disappearing overnight but i think that the value chain will change in terms of who takes a bigger or smaller chunk of the upside mm. and brokers and financial services companies are at risk yeah i think so i mean people selling services based on you know man hours i think property management business you know which is one or by far the biggest business we have is of course under immense pressure that we can use technology to do so much more than in the past. But I would I say that you, we won't have property managers. I think we'll for sure have. But how they are organized and how they execute their job will be totally different. Mm. What skills do you think uh, will be indispensable to be a great real estate investor or professional in the near future? I think two different you know, questions almost. I think if you're a great real estate investor as a company or as doing investments, I think as a company, you really need to be able to manage information and data. I mean, using spreadsheets doesn't really cut it anymore. It's so complex and the quantities of data are growing so fast so that if you're based on professionals doing spreadsheet modeling, that won't cut it over time. So I think that you know, having competences within managing data sets, machine learning, if you say artificial intelligence, yeah, for sure, but in, in the short term machine learning, I think that would be a really interesting competency to have. And for the professionals, I think, you know, think long and hard of how you add value to your clients and your company. If you're the best Excel spreadsheet modeling guy, think about sort of, okay, so I won't have to do the access. I don't have to build the models myself, but I might be the one who does the best analysis or draw conclusions in the end or connect the dots between different data sets or ask the right questions to algorithms and data sets. So I think sort of, yeah. Or if you're a broker relying on, you know, having a chat in, in the pub to get your next assignment, think about, I think, relationships and interaction in the face-to-face -face will be, of course, hugely important, but really think about how you will add value in the future. Yeah. Where would you refer uh, people if they'd like to learn more about real estate and real estate investing, trends, tech, digitization, etc.? Mm, I think there are so many events out there right now, so I think it's, it's very easy to actually get insight. You know, go to 10 PropTech events and you'll get 80% and then meet 25 property companies in different segments and ask them, so what do you think is wrong about real estate? And they will tell you because that's their pitch. So why will you do this better than us or that, than the, the players out there now? Because this and this and this, because you're doing this wrong, because we can do that better. They're giving you the, the insight to that. So just asking those questions 
and then you know asking them to do that for us instead of against us. I think that would be a good approach. Mm. I would have loved to have that opportunity when I started this back in you know only a few years back. Mm. No events, no nothing. You know, it was a lot of traveling and calling people. Yeah. But now you've created your own event platform, so that's. <laughs> yeah, so I, that was one of the, you know, the, the, why we started that also. Is sort of, instead of traveling, you know, to 10 different events, might as well start one and invite, you know, what we think are the most interesting people and having them invite the three people that they think are interesting to have. So that was why we started that platform, not having to travel. But now we have so many interesting events. So now we're sort of, okay, so what are the best events and how can we support them? And that's also been a, a shift in our strategy, but you know. Mm. Yeah, interesting. What final words uh, would you like our listeners to remember from this talk? I would say, you know, if you are a tech entrepreneur, really try to understand the current dynamics of real estate, if you don't already do. Really understand that you understand what is really the problem, what is the challenge, and are you solving the right problem? And you know, get access to one of the big companies because they will be fairly open, I guess, because they want to learn. And if you're a real estate in, in, you know, company trying to learn about technology, set aside a budget, hire some people, hire three, four or five people who knows about data or something. Take a risk and just do that. If they're any good, they'll find out interesting things. So that would be sort of just take a leap of faith. That's great. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you.